Welcome to Come Along for the Ride, where we love to bring consciousness to the horse world and thus making the world a better place for horses. I'm your host, Tracy Malone. I was born on Wiradjuri country and this podcast is brought to you from Turrbal and Yagara country. I'd like to recognise the first Australian's custodianship of this country for tens of thousands of years and their connection to land, water, community and our sacred animals. I am grateful to elders past, present and emerging. I have great pride to live on country where the oldest known human beings tended to this land. To the conscious horse people who came before me to lead the way. To those who stand beside me in our community now. And for those who will continue after we are long gone. I'd like to say thank you for being a part of the global change we are making to the welfare and training of horses. If you'd like to support the podcast and all the work that Lauren and I do, then you can. Just head on over to patreon.com slash come along for the ride podcast and sign up. From as little as a cup of coffee a month, you can help me keep this podcast going. There are many tiers that you can choose from. And if everyone who listens gave only $5 a month, it would make a massive positive difference to me. There is a tier in there for small business subscription, just like the one Peter Papp took up from Peter and the Herd. This is the one where your business gets a mention each podcast episode. Peter works with equine behaviour and trauma recovery, equine communication and human and horse relationship building. Peter has had communication with my mare Gypsy, who was the mare with me in the podcast picture. And he was spot on about everything in there and he helped me a lot. So I can highly recommend his work personally. Peter has also helped some of the listeners of this podcast, all of those who speak very highly of his work. You can contact Peter by looking him up on Facebook under Peter and the Herd, or you can go to the show notes and follow the links there. In this episode, I speak with Caroline Hegarty, who created a community called Equitopia. Caroline felt disempowered as a horse owner as the experts she had, as in her farriers and trainers of her horses, were telling her that they knew best, not her. Even when she was able to be brave and speak up when she'd done a bit of education, they still shut her down. So being the amazing woman she is with good Irish blood, Caroline decided to do something about it and created an online community where you as a horse owner can educate yourself, find support, and also find great experts in their field who are collaborative and open and who always put the horse first. I love what Caroline has created and she will continue to grow what she's done and is truly helping horses all over the world to have a better life by empowering the owners like you and me. Equitopia has the course by Dr. Sue Dyson as well, the Ridden Horse Ethergram that I spoke with Sue about a couple of episodes ago. So there's definitely great information on her site and she has chosen her experts very, very well. I know you'll enjoy this one as it's another way we can find support to be conscious horse people. It's a good one. So sit back and enjoy this episode. Here is Caroline. Caroline, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Well, thank you for having me. I'm delighted to be here. Uh, it's so good to finally be able to talk to you. Can you first tell me a little bit about what it is that you do? 
Well, um, I am the founder of an organization called Equitopia. Um, it is based or it was founded based on my own experiences as a horse owner who was looking for good information that would not compromise the uh, welfare of my horses. And as I started going looking for professionals and having them come and help me with my horses, I realized that uh, there was kind of a, a, a big variation of the kind of um, training and education that professionals had that varied across the board and I had experiences where my horses did not fare so well. So after many years of finally coming to the realization that you really have to uh, know quite a lot in order to determine the right professionals that can work collaboratively and not compromise the welfare of your horse. I started looking at the industry in general and found that there was a lack of overall regulation, uh, evidence and research-based uh, protocols that were being followed uh, that were welfare-centric and based on something rather than opinion. So I set about to do what I call an investigative and delivery system of information to people who are looking for guidance on how to gymnasticize their horses and themselves without uh, harming their horse in the process or themselves. And listeners, as you can hear, this is why Caroline's on the podcast. You're literally a woman after my own heart right now. This is exactly why I started the podcast. I just haven't um, done the extraordinary work that you've done on this site. So I'm very, um, very eager to dive in. Um, first, I'd like to know a little bit more about you, Caroline. Did you grow up with horses? Have they always been a part of your life? Yes, I um, have been in love with horses since beyond when I can remember and uh, ironically I didn't grow up on a farm or anything and I'm the only one in my family that is into horses and uh, for some reason as a young girl I started pestering my mom to buy me horse posters and horse ornaments and all kinds of things and uh, eventually after many years of harassment she sent me to a riding school and uh, I started there uh, and then my grandparents were farmers uh, in a little place called Castle Townsend, which is in uh, Southern Ireland in the county of Cork. Um, and they arranged to um, connect me with one of their neighbors who had a bunch of horses and also another girl who was a little bit older than me by a year. And I used to go down there every weekend and every summer. And I, I she used to let me ride the horses, taught me how to ride um, and it was just heavenly and I continued that when I moved to America in 1993 um, it was a little more uh, structured here I found what I did in Ireland was was kind of I suppose how a lot of people come across horses is you know you put a saddle on you ride and there's not a whole lot of again what I now consider to be evidence-based uh, instruction that takes place uh, I think historically because of our view of horses and how they fit in and possibly a lack of awareness and just thought into the fact that these are living creatures with biomechanical properties, uh, with emotions, and they react to their environment and to people. And uh, that's been a journey for me. As, and, I, and I think uh, it's shared by a lot of other people where, you know, if you're um, indoctrinated into a system that doesn't include these things, it's only through experience and having your awareness raised that you start considering different ways of doing things. Mm. And when did that begin for you? So was it one horse? Was it when you were very first riding, it didn't feel right for you? How did it eventuate? 
You know, I have to say my experiences in Ireland were not that moment because, you know, we kind of did a lot of cross country. We were out and about. Um, there was not a lot of, you know, trying to control the horse. We just had fun. We were out like in the country, crossing fields, jumping up and down ditches and things like that. Um, I actually never rode a horse in an arena until I came to the United States. Um, and it was then that the actual, I suppose, instructional side of riding uh, became uh, into my awareness. And again, the idea of calling professionals. So it was really over the course of probably maybe three to five years with the horses I had then. I had two horses that I was going through the motions. And part of the experience was when I called professionals and I would sense that something wasn't quite right, uh, they would tend to talk over me because I was just the owner and they were the professionals. So I shut up some of the times and allowed things to happen that I didn't feel were right, but I, I suppose I succumbed to the pressure uh, of of you know not having the answer and and wanting um answers from someone who wasn't willing to give them to me i guess or not willing to listen to my concerns as being legitimate mm. and can you because this is a story that i suspect every single listener of the podcast we can all relate to that and there are people out there now who are allowing it to happen um, and not because they want to, but because they're not really sure how to handle it. So can you tell me a story of one of the professionals without, um, without naming and shaming, of course, just a story that we can all relate to so people can feel like they're not alone and people who are now able to speak up weren't. And I just, I like the story idea. Okay. Uh, well, I, I can give two examples. Um, one was um, a farrier who was looking after my one, one of my horses, and um, I came one day, and again, I was I was beginning at this point in the early stages of my awareness to start looking on the internet and doing those things that you do to try and uh, elevate my level of conversation. And I came out one day, and I saw one of my horses, and I thought, "Wow, that looks like he just took off all of her heel all in one go." And I looked at her standing there and I said, oh my God, this does not look right. And I started trying to have this conversation about angles and about things that I had actually printed out some of the stuff from the internet. And uh, he basically just, you know, said, I'm the professional. You don't know what you're talking about. Um, and just totally dismissed me. Um, and at that point with that particular horse, I actually called the vet because I was so concerned. And she also agreed with me and said that I actually needed to uh, contain my horse in a smaller space for a while so that she wouldn't blow a suspensory because her angles had been changed so dramatically. Wow. And that's the really important story. to understand just there. Sorry, we've got a little bit of a delay. The really important part there is, is when you've got a professional in air quotes who won't answer your questions and tell you why they've done what they've done, you need to really consider if is that somebody you want near your horse because normally, like my hoof trimmer, I ask a thousand questions and he can actually tell me why he's doing what he's doing. And if you have somebody who can't do that, all professionals, body workers, no matter who they are, they need to be able to answer my questions. If they can't do that, then they're not someone who's allowed to near my horse ever again. Yeah, I would be the same. And on top of that, I think part of the reason I started this, I mean, it's my heart is for uh, helping the owners that have had experiences like that and really want to do best and they're trying to find their way. Um, and uh, the 
I guess that at the end of the day, the truth of the matter is those of us who are concerned, um, we do need to have a relatively high level of education so that we can have conversations that are um, not disputed or cannot readily be dismissed by um, the professionals, which is why, again, I've chosen consultants who are pretty well um, somewhere in the top of the leading world researchers like Dr. Sue Dyson, Dr. Gerd Heuschmann, uh, Dr. Chris Pierce, who's one of the world's leading equine dentists. So we're looking for uh, top quality people who can make the argument for you. And um, we try to deliver videos and courses that can be shared so that hopefully it again raises awareness, not only with um, owners, but with professionals themselves to say, you know, do I ever really reach a point where I know it all and can we move towards uh, a process of collaboration and humbleness and always remember that it's the horse that matters in this in this scenario we're for the horse first not ego not anything else so again the purpose of um, of this is is to promote collaboration uh, raise awareness and at the end of the day uh, the truth of the matter from our investigations is there is no definitive answers to anything because each person rider or handler situation is so unique in its own right uh, that there are things that can never be answered by research you have to know your horse and usually the person who sees the horse every day if they raise their level of education and awareness and their ability to connect to the horse will be the best advocate in terms of being able to um, explain to the professional uh, what they think is going on because it's very difficult to judge like for professionals whether it's a trainer a carrier um, a body worker they're seeing that moment on a particular day at a particular moment in time which may, may not be representative of the day before or the day before that so information um, in the surrounding days and times is, is can be critically important to evaluating what might be going on with that horse on that particular day. Mm, absolutely. Can you tell me your second story before we launch into more questions? Yeah, so the um, second one was a training issue. I, um, I suppose I'd been persuaded that I did not have the skills to ride one of my own horses and I allowed a trainer to basically do most of the riding. And I was watching one day and I saw her just, uh, she was asking the horse to canter. And then all of a sudden I just saw her like call on the horse's face and start backing her up. And my horse was pinning her ears and, and just chomping on the bit. And I just happened to mention, I said, you know, this just doesn't look right to me. This horse is not looking happy. And she just snapped my head off and said, what's it got to do with your horse being happy? I'm trying to train her and teach her a lesson. And this is the process. And you don't know what you're talking about because I'm the profession. Wow. What did you do about that? You know, it took me a little, a little while um, to get the courage up because my insecurity was if I leave this trainer, then how do I know where to go next? Because I, I, I think my confidence was shattered. I mean, she really had me persuaded that I shouldn't ride my own horses. Uh, but after a couple of weeks, I just thought, I don't want to be this person. I know my horses aren't happy. Uh, whatever happens, I think I can do better than this. And so I, I left, I fired her. Yeah. And I started just getting on them myself. And I, it was kind of a relief because, you know, there is this pressure of expectations, you know, of like you have to ride correctly and your horse has to look good and you have to know what you're doing. And I really started out with horses because I love them and I just wanted to have fun. And I started focusing more on that and feeling less pressured and judged. 
even though people do, you know, say, why aren't you showing that horse or, oh, that horse should be in training and, you know, similar comments. But that wasn't what was important to me when I stripped away all the outside influences. I loved horses. I loved spending time with them. If I didn't know what I was doing in terms of like specific movement or whatever, I'm, I would just get on and just ride around on a loose rein. And I started looking at my horses and I was like, they're much happier doing this. And when the time comes and I find the right person, then if I want to learn, you know, how to do a dressage test or how to jump a fence or how to do something with lovely equitation and correctness, then I will be patient and I'll wait for that to come. And in the meantime, I just you know, take some deep breaths and say the most important thing for me is spending time with my horses, getting to know them and not having them have a negative experience while they're in my care. Mm, absolutely. That's amazing. And it's really important. You know, I think we should all have a, a, um, a little morning affirmation of I, I have a horse and I am with horses because I love them and the joy of being with them because we can forget that so easily sometimes. And I wanted to also say that if somebody, if I had a trainer that spoke to me like that six or 12 months ago, I would have said absolutely nothing. And I would have allowed them to speak to me like that. And I would have um, uh, kind of slowly found my way through it. Um, and now I'm, I'm kind of in the opposite stance where I would have said, could you please dismount my horse right now? And you only get there. I didn't get to that space because of some wonderful enlightening moment um, that I did through reading a book. I got through that space by making a lot of mistakes and allowing things to happen to my horses. So for anyone listening, it's so important to know that you're not alone. You've done nothing wrong. Um, we build confidence. We build our education. We build our voice. And uh, the more we you know, go about using it, the more we can use it. So listeners, don't ever think you're alone. Don't ever think it doesn't happen to anyone else. It's happened to almost all of us and we've all grown and changed through it. And you can too. Indeed. So how did you then, is, is that, was that the moment that after those two moments you said, okay, it's time, I need to do something about this? How did Equitopia manifest no it was quite a while after that i actually ended up finding a very uh nice trainer she was good she helped me a lot in developing my own skills um and i educated myself enough to be able to evaluate my own horses and evaluate my team and keep on top of uh, what i needed to keep on top of um and then it was probably maybe when i was a couple of years into that and i started again, just seriously saying, well, what if I'm not alone? What if there are others? What do they do? What experiences are other people having out there? And that's when I just started asking questions and started doing my initial journalistic style research into figuring out, well, where do people go? How, how do people end up doing what they do when it comes to riding, whether choosing their trainer or choosing their professionals? And then where do these professionals come from? What options do they have? You know, are all farriers and all saddle fitters, do they get the same type of training? Is it the same curriculum? And that's when I discovered, you know, it was kind of like the Wild West out there. And uh, theoretically, after my investigation, I thought I could actually hang a sign calling myself a trainer and no one could do anything about it. And I thought that was quite shocking, naively, I suppose, um, that someone could, without any qualification or any degree of regulation, could be involved in the uh, life of a 
sentient animal that has a very complex um, system, really, between the biomechanics and the anatomy and all their emotions, their behavior, uh, the impact of putting a saddle and a rider on them and asking them to do all these things. I mean, it is, at the end of the day, it's, it's a tall order to get that right, because there's so many moving parts. And, uh, you know, again, for me, I thought I got to go out and I got to start putting some information together and see if we can um, raise the bar, so to speak, and have some level of minimum uh, requirements before someone puts their hand on a horse and does something like, you know, like my farrier did, or, uh, you know, someone who will, you know, put a saddle on that causes a horse to be crippled and then with a trainer that maybe is telling the rider to beat the horse forward because they're being bold. So I wanted to try and uh, present information that's, um, again, it's just information. It's not, it's, you can take it, leave it, do more research, but I wanted to present something that had some level of investigation and evidence behind it and be able to pull from all the different areas to create uh, some vision of what are we aiming for? What does it look like when we get this right? What does the end result look like if a horse has comfortable balanced feet, if they have a saddle that fits, if they, they've got a rider that's nice and balanced, if they've got you know, a bit or a bridle or bitless or whichever that fits, um, and the rider has the skills and the horse understands what's being asked of them, et cetera, what, what does that look like? And that's kind of what I try to present um, in the information and videos and courses um, in Equitopia, with the caveat that at the end of the day, as I say, it's like it, it is the individual circumstances um, between the horse and rider that is the ultimate determining factor of how you proceed if there is a problem. It's time for a very quick break because there's something really important that I'd like to tell you about. Another of our small business subscribers for this podcast is the Heart Horse Box. Heart Horse was created by friends Tista and Charlotte who found a beautiful spot to place themselves in the horse business world. They have created a safe online community environment outside the noisy world of social media where you can dive in and speak openly with heart-minded, conscious horse people of all disciplines and breeds. This membership includes live seminars and classes from equine experts from all areas of the equestrian world. They also have the beautiful Heart Horse Box subscription. I do love this one as it's centred around you the conscious horse person receiving nourishing gifts for you as heart horse understand that you are already taking amazing care of your horse and they want to make sure you are doing the same for yourself i am thrilled to let you know that if you go to hearthorsebox.com and use the code eden river you will receive a 25 percent discount on your first month of the heart horse community membership that one is international. That's one for everyone in the world. You may also like to check out their Heart Horse podcast. It's another great free resource from the Heart Horse team. You may even find the episode where I was a guest on their podcast talking about my life with horses and how this podcast and the conscious horse movement came about. The links are also in the show notes. When I, so I am a horse person and I'm listening to this podcast and I go, yes, I need to get myself a trainer and I really want to check on my farrier. How do I use Equitopia for that? 
Well, we have a membership program, which is $4.95 a month. And every month we add a new podcast, a new um, webinar, um, a new blog post, all from some of these professionals that I've mentioned. Um, we also have some online courses that we've developed. Um, one with Dr. Sue Dyson. I think you featured her in one of your podcasts. I did recently. Just two we weeks developed ago. Um, an online course with. Yeah, she sent me the email. Yeah, so um, so that that is really uh, groundbreaking research that um, again allows people to, you know, it may not give you the like fix the problem, but it may at least give the awareness that there is a problem. And then you have to go through the tool belt. The you know the building and adding tools in your tool belt is going to allow you to kind of maybe say well. I don't think this is right, but what can I do to eliminate some of the things that might be easier to eliminate than others? So the areas we cover, you know, again, are going to be like foot care. Um, and again, I, I, I want to stress that, you know, as we've gone out and do our, our investigation, you know, there are lots of people out there who are super passionate, who've spent 30 to 40 years researching hoof care and hoof balance, and they still don't all agree. Uh, so we're trying to extract things that they, that they do agree on in principle, like some major things that they will all agree on. And then again, as I say, it's up to the individual to extract from these equally passionate people uh, who have come to somewhat different conclusions as to what might work for their horse. The same thing with saddle fit. I mean, saddle fit is a very complex area as well. And there's no definitive research that is a recipe for fitting a saddle correctly because there is an element of art to it, of imagining how the horse is going to actually move um, after statically fitting a saddle when they're just standing still in a, in a cross ties or wherever. Um, and when it comes to training, um, training is super complicated um, really because it involves the horse and the rider and the impact of the saddle and the feet. So, um, you know, we have Dr. Gerd Heuschman, we have Dr. Karen Leibrandt who've uh, got a veterinary background as well as the training background because having been veterinarians and trying to fix all these horses that were coming in with, uh, you know, hawk issues and tendon issues and everything, they, they thought there's something going on out here that we need to investigate. So they basically spent their lives, the last 15, 20 years, examining the training and are now veterinary trainers, which is remarkable. So, um, you know, their insight and knowledge is something that we share through our membership program and through our courses in the hopes that we can guide people um, you know, in, in somewhat of a direction that will will get them to where they need to go. Mm. I really love the fact that you've taken so many different experts like on hooves and tried to find the commonality. How long did that take you as far as research goes and what were you finding along the way? Well, it's been ongoing. You know, I, I, again, naively, when I started out with Equitopia and I said, well, evidence and research, I, I, I presuppose that I would go out and I would like find the answers through research and be able to deliver answers. Uh, but the more I got into it, the more I realized it's just not that simple. Uh, mainly, again, because of the, you know, there are so many moving parts. And, you know, if you've got a horse who's lame, then it could be something in the foot. It actually could be an ill-fitting saddle that's caused them to compensate and come up with uh, a lame issue. It could be the rider being out of balance. It could be like a number of things. It could be an injury. It could be so many different things. Um, and then even within that, 
It is the, you know, okay, so there's the anatomy of the foot, for example, when we talk about foot care. And again, I find that the hoof care is probably the most difficult uh, because people are very passionate about it, the people who have researched it. And it's almost like if I put them in a room together, I'd probably have to have a, a, a metal detector to make sure there was no weapons involved because they, <laughs> they really are like super, super passionate. Um, so, you know, I, I have individual conversations. The good thing about what I'm doing is I have no um, vested interest. I'm not a trainer. I'm not a farrier. I'm not any of these things. I represent the horse. That's what I look at. I'm representing the horse, trying to get information to give to the horse's owners that do want to uh, preserve their welfare and learn. Um, and so people are more open to talking to me because of that. And my message is always, look, I know that you guys don't agree, but if we are all saying that we're for making the world a better place for horses, then surely we owe it to ourselves to be able to have conversations and be curious about why we are all trying to do the same thing, yet we've come to a different place. Let's have some productive discussion about it. Let's share our perspectives. Let's try to work together. And we, the worst that can happen is you can agree to disagree, but God forbid that we should maybe come up with a, a, a research project that could be worked on on a collaborative basis to really say, okay, well, let's take all of this, not just one person's 30 years of research. Let's take four of these people who've had 30 years of research, put them together in a room and say, look, let's, can we hash this out to say, okay, where is the merit in all of our research? And is there something better that we can present instead of four different opinions? Maybe we could narrow it down to two, you know, something like that. That's kind of like my mission. But in the meantime, uh, what we do is we present the findings of these people who deserve the respect of having given their lives to, um, to trying to find answers and they all love horses there's there's their motivation is is unquestionable and present it and then again allow people to you know uh digest it and figure out okay is this something that might apply to my horse you know we'll present it this is as far as we can go we can't give you the answer but these these four guys have done this and this is what we're explaining to you is this is what they've done and you have to take it from here yourself that's it Mm, you um you have a similar dream to me in interviewing over 80 people for the podcast now it's one of the one of the things i would really love to do is to get those people in a room and say i respect you both so much and we're so on the opposite sides of the page but both of what you're saying has value how do we I believe in all of those people coming together is where the magic happens. I believe when you put amazing, intelligent, passionate people in a room who are open to other people and, and what they've got to say and they can respect the intelligence of the other person, you really hash things out. I believe that's where um, the horse world takes a massive step forward. It's been something that's in my mind. I know the people I'd like to get in the same room just to be able to go, if we all talk about this, I believe we can make real change and we can all move together um, in a really positive way and take the entire horse world with us. Yes, I agree. I think some of the challenges, um, again, that I've come across as I've tried to do this is, um, you know, when someone is fairly well established, it can create a sense of vulnerability. Um, when you've got someone who's positioned themselves as an expert and then you know what if something changes and they have to go back and say well you know upon reflection i've now come to the realization that this is what's happening um i mean it, it does take a bit of courage 
um, to remove yourself again from any uh, ego-related situation and go back and say, what's it like to really just look at these horses and forget anything else and just roll up our sleeves and say, let's figure this out uh, for them mm. as best we can. And have you done that? Um, so it sounds like you've actually tried to do it and, and have actually done that. How's it gone? It's a, it's, it's a ever moving target. And I, um, I spend a lot of time having one-on-one -on -one conversations um, from one person's perspective and then trying to share another person's perspective. So I, I do a lot of laying the groundwork. Um, what I find again with, again, it doesn't matter whether it's a farrier or a salivator, you can become very entrenched in looking at problems as always being from the source that you work in. So if Sue is always working with lameness issues and Gerard is always working with training issues and Georgie's always working with saddle fit issues, then it tends to be your go-to answer to a problem. It can be. Whereas what I find is when you break it down, it's usually more than just one of those. It can be a training problem and a lameness problem and a saddle fit problem, or it can be uh, started out as one and ended up causing others. So usually uh, it's, it's, it does require a collaborative process and not just blindly uh, labeling it as one particular issue. Yeah, so it takes and, time. and I think that's where the owner comes in as well. That's where the owner's voice to say, well, I've been here for all of this and I do see my horse every day and I've experienced this, you know, so for all the experts that there are in the world, um, don't ever discount yourself as the horse's owner, which is what Dr. Sue Dyson talks about a lot as well. Yeah, it is. The owner is the key thing. That's, that's um, kind of why I've looked at creating content that is, is somewhat palatable to owners in terms of it's not super, super technical, uh, but it has information in there that cannot be dismissed by professionals and hopefully opens up their curiosity to learn more. How can we be better? I mean, there are lots of things to consider in the world of professionals because veterinarians alone already have a significant amount of time that they spent in college learning. And yet when they come out, I've had veterinarians come to me and say that they feel totally unprepared even with all their training to really begin to diagnose some of the issues that they see horses have uh, because they don't learn anything about nutrition much. They have a couple of days on nutrition. They have a couple of days on feet. They have, I don't think any days on behavior uh, and they have nothing on, on training. And so developing protocols that allow you to um, extract what might be going on, on with a horse, especially if it's a lameness issue really requires someone to be able to have a look at all those elements. Like, is the horse different uh, on a lunge line versus when they're being ridden? Uh, are they different uh, on hard surface versus soft surface and all those things? And then looking at the impact, as I say, of the saddle, of the rider on board. You know, we've seen, I've seen things where, you know, you've got a crooked rider and they're literally leaning to the right and it's caused the right hand lameness on horses. And all they do is you get them some posture training with the likes of Mary Wanless or Wendy Murdoch, and uh, it solves half the problem. Yeah, and it's such an important one. And um, Dr. Sue Dyson talked about this as well. It's like, I don't know any vet um, that is that comprehensive when they come. And we put so much power in the hands of vets and we... Um, we give up our power a lot as horse owners to all of these professionals and we really need to um, 
understand how important we are in the lives of our horses and and that there is no power over when it comes to professionals and your horses. Yes, I think the best we can do as owners, and this is again part of the mission, is to say, how can I best evaluate the qualifications and training that this person has that will allow me to have some level of confidence in their ability to help me with my horse, whether it's just moving ahead with your horse or solving a problem. Um, when I'm looking at people, I, I look for them to be collaborative, I look for them to be open, and I do look for them to have uh, many years of, of training and uh, qualification, and ideally specializing in one area, but having some level of awareness uh, about the impact of the other areas. Like if it's a body worker, that they would recognize the signs of maybe uh, a saddle that doesn't fit through the what they find in the horse's body, things like that. Yeah, absolutely. So if I'm sitting here listening to this podcast and thinking, well, Ecotopia sounds great, um, but but where to from here? How do I how do I then broach it? Do I need to have a specific issue? Is, can I just come on and educate myself? How do I use the website? Yeah, it's really just open to anyone. Um, as I say, it's a membership program when we just try to deliver reliable information and resources. Um, a lot of our webinars, you have an opportunity to ask questions afterwards to, you know, to Sue Dyson and to Garrett Horschman and to Chris Pierce after our webinars. Um, the, some of the feedback we get really is um, people are lacking the on-the-ground resources for themselves. Um, that is the most challenging part is that, well, this is great, but how do I find my person here at home? My horse is here. I want to find a saddle fitter. I need to find a trainer. I haven't been able to find anyone. Uh, that's been the biggest um, challenge that our, our community have, have had. Um, we're working on developing a little bit of online consulting, even though it has limitations and I wasn't that keen on it. Uh, but it's probably, you know, at least something that we can offer in terms of video consults just to be able to see the horse and, and maybe have some uh, ability to direct further diagnostics or further help. Um, and eventually, hopefully, we're looking to build a referral directory of people locally. But that's, you know, again, going to take many years because um, when we do put someone in a referral directory, it's not just open to anyone. They have to be referred. They have to be qualified. Uh, it's a very personal thing uh in terms of qualifying to be um part of our community uh, that would be unleashed on the public yeah absolutely and how so if i do read your website and i just go yes 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 these are all the things that i understand to find someone in my local area when I've done a few of the courses, say I'm looking for a saddle fitter and I go on and I look at all these saddle fitting bits to try and find someone in my area, the very least that even though you may not be able to recommend somebody close to where I am, I'm able to have the skill and the education enough to be able to ask the right questions of the saddle fitter to know if they're the right kind of person for the horse. Is that something that the website already does? Yes, so we have, uh, you know, many blogs and behind the scenes tips from our lead saddle fitter, uh, Georgie Wells, who's from the UK. Um, she's got more qualifications than anyone I know, and uh, she's been a fantastic resource for me. She's independent, 
She doesn't represent any saddle brand. She represents the horse. Uh, she's done a lot of training in other areas also. Um, and so she, there's information from her and there's also a, a course, I think it's $45, um, which again is geared towards the, the average horse owner to help guide them again on recognizing things that will indicate whether your, your saddle is likely to fit or not. So the goal for owners is to extract, again, information that will allow them to have an elevated level of conversation with the professional. So it's not just the professional that's way up here and you feel like you're way on the bottom. It's like be courageous, ask the right questions and make sure that the saddle fitter knows that you're talking from an area of expertise. And then if you happen to um, have a good rapport with them and they ask you where you get the information, then they, they're also welcome to check it out. And welcome to join our community. I mean, we are collaborative. We want we want to encourage saddle fitters who may find that they're lacking and want to increase their level of education. The same thing with trainers. This is to try and um, gather people who want the same thing and who are looking to to build their skills. So um, that would be um, you know part of the use of of the information that we have. Um, in addition to at the end of the day, it's like, you know, don't discount your horse's reaction. You know, if the saddle fits and, the, and, and you know there's nothing else wrong, you put the saddle on, you get, in, you get on your horse and your horse starts pinning your ears, then that's probably a clue that that saddle isn't uh, quite the thing to move ahead with. And you go back to the saddle fitter and say, my horse isn't happy here. Let's take a look again. And then you, you again, you go on and until your horse hopefully says, okay, yeah, this feels okay. Mm, so it's a truly collaborative experience. Nobody's, uh, we're not putting down anyone who doesn't have the information uh, as, you know, said experts or saddle fitters or hoof trimmers, whoever it is, they too can actually join the community and, um, and all be a part of it. Yeah, I don't think any good comes from judging anyone. I'm not looking to judge. We're not looking to judge. What we're looking is, look, here, let's work as collaboratively as we can. There's, there's no benefit to anyone to, to have a horse not be doing okay. Nobody wants to ride a, a horse that's, that's grumpy or kicking and, you know, be using force. It's not an enjoyable experience for anyone. I'm sure, like, if you had a trainer, no matter what, uh, they would like to be able to get on a horse and have an enjoyable experience and for the horse to feel good about what's happening. So the more we can, as I say, up our game, collaborate and, you know, look at creating some minimum standards uh, in terms of the expectation. Again, like what do we expect this to look like when we get it right? What does a relaxed horse look like? What does the muscul musculature look like? Can all body workers learn to recognize when the right top line muscles are being developed correctly without tension? Uh, what does that horse look like in terms of behavior? You know, Sue Dyson's research with the, these are indicators, facial expressions and various other swishing tails that, that give you a sign. This is, this is the horse speaking saying, you know what, something's not right here. And it's, it's our duty, I think, uh, to stop and say, okay, well, what's happening here? Why is my horse behaving this way? And again, all look at our tool belt and look at it again, more of a team approach to say, let us all work together. Let's up our game. Let's get more educated. Let's try and create uh, more and more of the visuals of what we would like to see. Uh, which is, you know, some of the horses. I mean, what do they look like? What does a relaxed, gymnastically empowered horse and rider combination look like? And let's start churning out videos of those from putting this information to work and see if, we, if, if everyone is in agreement with it.
Mm, absolutely. Biting bugs are a pain for you and your horse. If you'd like some natural and ethically made relief for your horse, made by me, then head on over to EdenRiverEquestrian.com and grab some of the natural horse spray. There are two blends. The Kiowa blend may assist in keeping insects off your horse. The Gypsy blend was formulated to assist in repelling insects and also supporting the healing of Queensland itch and other wounds on your horse. If you head on over to EdenRiverEquestrian.com and use the code COMEALONGFORTHERIDE, all one word lowercase, then you will receive 15% off your order. Get your horse some relief now. And do you have anything in there on a little little course or information on how to speak up as a horse owner? We don't have anything right now, but we are in the middle of developing um, uh, a course with um, uh, Helen O'Hanlon. We had an online conference last year and it was called Fear and Safety. And it focused on fear and safety, both from the rider perspective and from the horse perspective. And it does talk about the kind of mindset you need in order to uh, grow and advocate for yourself and your horse. And we'll be delving more into that through some of our upcoming courses in, in, in that regard, like the human component. Fantastic. So it truly is becoming absolutely holistic because that will be the little key. It's like, okay, so I've read all this and I understand all this, but how do I, how do I gain the courage to actually say the words once I get out there and, and the, you know, the power over person is trying to power over me. How do I find the, the courage to speak up? But that's a great idea to have that in there. Yeah, we also have our Facebook uh, group. I mean, we're trying to build more community and try to uh, eventually like have geographical um, information about people who are within the same area. But you can always check in with us on Facebook. Uh, you know, we, we welcome uh, feedback and suggestions and requests for help uh, through email, which is info at equitopiacenter.com. Uh, and we're open again to suggestions. We're always looking for people to, you know, if you do know a really good trainer or farrier or someone that you think is really on the same page, then connect us. You know, we love to support trainers and we love to support farriers and saddle fitters who are, who are trying to find uh, the way forward and we just evaluate and have conversations like if a saddle fitter comes along I'll say well why don't you sit down with these saddle fitters that we already know through a zoom conference or something and just see if you're on the same page we try to arrange like in-person meetings sometimes like I've sent people to hang out with other trainers to hang out with Dr. Gerd Heuschman I've sent a vet to hang out with Dr. Sue Dyson uh, so that we can um, all again have a better um experience on on what it's going to take to try and get on the same page mm, i love it you're creating a true community so where can we find you well we have a website www.equitopiacenter.com and uh, there's lots of information there on our uh, what we do offer uh, we also have a facebook page which is equitopia center um, and as I say, you know, I'm always open to receiving emails uh, at info at equitopiacenter.com or my personal, which is caroline at equitopiacenter.com. Fantastic. And it doesn't matter where in the world you are for this kind of information. This kind of information is universal. And um, it's especially wonderful for people in remote areas who just don't have much choice uh, with the people that they have coming to look after their horse or they have to do a lot of it themselves. It's such a beautiful wealth of knowledge and, 
and community that gives you education and support. I love everything that you're doing. And, um, and I'm sorry it took bad experiences for you to get to this point, but boy, I'm glad you did. Well, I think again, this is just the nature of the industry, and I I, uh, I hope we can change it. And I do feel there is um, overall um, an atmosphere of people wanting change for the better. It's just a question of organizing it and deciding what does it look like, and how do we, you know, keep it in check? How do we um, again collaborate uh, across the world and create some set of standards that allow us to have at the end of the day, so long as we do it right, we have a gymnastically empowered uh, horse and rider combination where neither one has their welfare compromised. Uh, and it does take both because it is a partnership and it's just listening uh, to each other and understanding you know, what's involved in the process of getting there. What are the roadblocks? What can you do about it? And ultimately at the end of the day, you know, I found that um, the ability to lower your expectations sometimes can be kind of handy <laughs> because it is it is a tall order to get, you know, not everyone's going to get to the Olympics or get to, uh, you know, high level competition. And, you know, are you willing to uh, lower your expectations from wanting to be a Grand Prix show jumper to jump in over cavalities or to be a trail rider or, um, you know, something that's less than just because the joy of being around the horse hopefully stays at the forefront no matter what might happen yeah and i believe that's the key to all of that is sometimes we get lost in the goal and we forget that as little girls we just wanted to be free on a horse and and feel the power under our um under our legs and join the nervous systems together and just have that beautiful moment and uh we do need to be reminded of that often because you can get lost in um in always the next step instead of right here in this moment yeah they're remarkable i mean they've been my greatest teachers because they don't care about my agenda they don't care uh, about what's going on they they live in the moment and if you truly just quiet your mind and immerse yourself in that, I tell you, it can change other aspects of your life dramatically as well. They've taught me patience. Uh, they've taught me to let go of so many things that ultimately were unimportant and enjoy the moment with them. And it really is. And, and it just, it makes everything better still with them. It's like, if you can actually be with them and uh, just spend the time and be present in the moment and listen then you know it's in of itself uh, a life lesson mm, absolutely it's um yeah it's, it's i've only found that every single time yeah exactly mm, beautiful well caroline thank you so much for your time today i um i just absolutely love what it is that you're doing and what you've created. And I hope it just keeps growing and growing, which I'm sure it will, because I agree that the world is asking for this now. And um, thank you for your time today. And thank you so much for creating Equitopia and everything that you're doing um, for making the world a better place for horses. I think it's fantastic. Well, thank you so much. I mean, you're doing the same. And I, I just think it's great that we can all uh, connect with each other and have these like illuminating conversations and just go, yes, yes, yes. And build up the presence of, you know, the the kind of people that might feel isolated if 
if there wasn't this collaborative movement happening and we weren't providing places for people to connect with like-minded people. And I think, again, there's far more out of them that, than might be represented if you don't have the numbers and you don't have like the, the connections that we've created through our efforts in uh, trying to educate and highlight and connect all these people who love horses. Mm, absolutely. And what I love about our communities are that we also are very um, open to lifting each other up. There's no competition. As soon as I saw what you were doing, I was like, oh my God, similar to what I'm trying to do in a different way, you have to support it. How could you, how could you not support it? And that's a, a great part about this community as well. If anyone's saying, you know, that's no good, then I, I, I would hesitate to, uh, to listen to what it is that they're saying if they're not open and collaborative in every way. We have enough of that in the world. I think we need to support each other. And again, I think the thing is the if we're bound in our common motivation to want to do good for horses, we should always come back to that in the moments where we might not want to because of other things. Remember the horse. Mm. Anytime someone argues or dismisses or stops working together, then ultimately what happens is it's the horses that suffer. Exactly. That's how I actually found my my voice um, when speaking up for my horse was difficult. I remember what happened when I didn't. And that is literally my motivation, no matter how hard it is to speak up, no matter you know how much courage it takes me. I'm like, well, I have choice here. And if I don't, then the same thing will happen that happened last time and it's unacceptable. So, yeah. Exactly. And, and I just would want to add too as well, like even though I've gone out and I found some of the best people and I love working with them, I mean, I, I, I will. If I have them here, I will still check in with myself because even if it is any of these people, they still don't see my horses every day. So I evaluate any advice I get, even if it's from people that I totally respect and love, I will still evaluate it from, does this apply fully to my horse? Does part of it apply? Let me try it and see what happens. I will still be the primary advocate for yeah, my horses. That's really important because your body is connected to the horse. When you see the horse every day, you have a literal connection to the horse. And I don't just mean a relationship. I mean, a literal connection to the horse and your body will tell you. And if it doesn't feel right for you, no matter how amazing the expert, then it doesn't feel right for you. And you're probably correct. And you need to keep searching. Yeah, exactly. Mm, absolutely. Exactly. Beautiful. Well, thanks again, Caroline. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. And, uh, and I look forward to watching both of our communities continue to grow and be the norm in the world. Yes, indeed. Thank you very much, Tracy. It's been a pleasure. I'm on a mission to create a community of conscious horse people so that their horses all over the world can live a better life. This is a big mission with a wonderful message and it needs your help. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to join me on my mission of making the world a better place for horses by bringing consciousness to the horse world, please do one of the following. You can go over to our Patreon page at patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash come along for the ride podcast and become a subscriber to the show. As Patreon members, you're helping this podcast become a weekly show once again. And remember, any funds that go over the cost of production will go into new and exciting projects that you as a subscriber will have a say in. 
You could also pop over to EdenRiverEquestrian.com and see our range of sustainable, ethical and organic gear for both horses and humans. Remember, 50% of profits go back to helping horses all over the world live a better life. Or you could leave us a review and tell the world why you love this podcast. You can do that through whichever app it is that you're listening now. The best place to do it is through iTunes. They give juice that gives other bits juice that boost the podcast up and basically that gets it into more people's ears so that we can make a real difference in the world you could also share this podcast with a friend tell everyone you know about it and guide them to an episode that you think they'd really enjoy all the links you need can be found in the show notes thanks again for listening and i'll catch you next time on come along for the ride